North Star's a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything is possible. If you believe that, just to say amen. amen. Come on. Amen. amen. There you go. There you go. It's going to be a good day today. We do uh, welcome everybody, and um, we, we exist as a church. If you're new to this space, if you're new to our church, we, we exist so that those that are far from God will draw near to him through the power of Jesus Christ. It is our vision at North Star to, to bring glory to God. This is how we say it. It is our vision to glorify God by making disciples of all nations. Jesus said, go ye therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so that's what we're about here. And we did the series a few months ago called For, and I just want to tell you that we're for you. We're for our people. We're about discipleship, ministry, uh, fellowship, but we're also about them and those that are far from God. We exist so that those that are far from God will draw near to him through the power of Jesus Christ. Well, I'm glad to be on stage today and uh, able to talk a little bit. And I pray just before I come out on stage every single time of my entire ministry, um, which is um, a long time, that God, all of you and none of me, all of you and none of me. I want to talk about, real quick, just a couple of things. When I say we're for, uh, one of the things that we do as a church is called Orange, and it's it's, it's uh, transcends all generations, so it's it's for every generation. In our in, in our North Star Kids Ministry, we use orange curriculum. Orange is made up of uh, red being the heart of the family, and yellow being the light of the church and the gospel. And when those are combined together, um, the um, it makes the color orange. And so we really want to to be the church, the light of the gospel to the world. And uh, one of the things that's so paramount in our church is, is our NS Kids. And as you've already heard, we're having an NS Kids uh, volunteer training next week. But I, if I could ever appeal to you, I just pray. You may not want me praying for you like this, but I, I have been praying today that God would, would tug the the heartstrings of individuals throughout our church to be a part of NS Kids. That's such a major thing. It is making a difference. So if you're listening today and you just want to be a difference maker, would you consider being a part of, of NS Kids? On many different uh, levels, you can be a part of this ministry. Every ministry in our church is important, but this is, this is a major one. And... Uh, we just want to challenge you. Maybe you've been a part of that and it's been a while. I'm telling you something. It's making a difference. Parents are coming to our campuses and feeling that their children are in a secure environment and they're leaving with biblical teaching that is transforming lives. And parents, I just want to challenge you to be a part of the ministry that's ministering to your kids and to church-wide just to be a part of that. You can sign up for that. Uh, at guest services, and we just want you to, to be a part of what God is already doing right here at North Star. One other thing that I, I want to ask you to sign up for 
We have first Saturday serve days. We've done them every first Saturday of this year. And uh, it's a new thing. It's not new anymore because we're now uh, approaching our eighth one. But every first Saturday, we have a, a ministry project in our community. And uh, this, this particular uh, upcoming one next Saturday, and we'll be meeting at the Tupelo campus, by the way, at 10 o'clock, we're going to be ministering to our schools. There are 19 different schools and 31 different break rooms that we're preparing uh, care baskets or happies for and uh, various different things. We're going to arrange them really nicely. Uh, I'm bringing stuff. I'm not arranging, so that way it'll be done nicely, but uh, we're going to be doing that. Now, you may be thinking, well, I can't be here Saturday. Well, we get that, so we made this one possible. If you will text the word serve, S-E-R-V-E, serve, to this number, write it down. It's 662-493-2311. You will receive a text back with three choices. Choice number one is, I can't come, but I can help provide stuff. Option number two is, I can come, and I can provide some stuff. Option three is, I can come, I can provide some stuff, and guess what? I can help deliver them on the next week. And so you can be a part of this at any different level, but if you don't sign up, you won't know what the, the need is. And so we encourage you to, to text that word, uh, serve, and then follow through with the choices. And when you, when you follow through with the choices before the day is over, you'll receive an email. Be sure to check your email. And it'll have a list, and you can just select uh, two bags of apples. I'll take it. And it automatically uh, assigns it to you and tells you what to do. And, and we'll be in contact with you uh, uh, about uh, any other details that you need to know. So let's be the hands and feet of Jesus to these 19 different schools that we're not doing this to make a point. What do we say sometimes around here? We're doing this to make a difference. So we're, we're going to be doing this. I'm, I'm pumped about it. All right. So, let's get into the Word. We're in a series that's called, Even Though. And the follow-up phrase is, I will trust God. So, when I say, even though, I want you to say, I will trust God. You ready? Come on, wake up. Even though, I can't hear the other campus, but I'm sure, I, I am assured that they're saying it. Let's do it one more time. Even though. Okay, so even though things happen, even though there's circumstances in life that are difficult, even though last week we talked about storms, even though the storms come into our lives, I'm going to trust God. Now, that's easy to say. I can stand up here and say it all day. But when it's me, it's tough. It's not always easy. But I've come to that resolution in my life that regardless of what comes my way, I'm going to put my trust in God. And so the very heart of this series is that, that God would forge within us a bold faith, a bold faith, because there are going to be difficult times that, that come our ways. Sometimes you know, we, we live in a, a culture that, that encourages us to compromise. So today in the message, I'm going to Talk about some things that I believe will help you to face those times when 
compromise is you're tempted to compromise what you believe and what you know is right. And listen, man, it's easy to be a part of the the moral majority. We all get on the wagon. We're for this. We're against this. And it's easy to get on the moral majority, but sometimes it's difficult when we're faced in being uh, a part of the moral minority. And sometimes we've, we've all been there. You've been there. Times that you, you face things where you want to give up or give out or, or give in. And as I was preparing this message, I'm thinking, you know, this message is about, it's in the book of Daniel chapter 3. It's about three who, three who <laughs> let me get it out. It's about three Hebrew guys. And, and they were faced with, um, with compromise. And I, I was thinking as I was preparing this, I'm, I've read this story a hundred times. Maybe if you have a, a church background, you grew up going to Sunday school, you've heard the story about these three guys. And I'm thinking, how do I articulate and communicate to the church in ways that they can understand or apply this to their own lives? Because none of us are, are in danger of being thrown into a fiery furnace. Come on, right? None of us. And then I'm thinking about one of the ministries that our faith commitment giving supports, and that is the persecuted church, and how those people, their lives are on the line. And, and for us, in the, the Bible, the belt buckle of the, the Bible belt right here in North Mississippi, I'm thinking, uh, I just can't compare myself to the persecuted church. I just can't do it. So God, help me to, to, to say some things and to, by your spirit, touch the hearts of people today to realize that, that the pressures of life aren't just the death, deadly pressures that the persecuted church. I've, I've eaten with people in the persecuted church. I've eaten with uh, people in the underground church. And I'm thinking, God, n- nothing, nothing that I'm facing ever measures up to that. And this is what God told me in my spirit. No, pretty much that's true. But we are us average people right here through, throughout our church. We're, we're average people when it comes to uh, Christianity and other people in, the, in our city, in our community. The regular folks, just like you and me, face decisions in choices in raising our kids. It may seem small in comparison to the persecuted church. It may seem small in comparison to the three guys that we're going to read about. But it's just as vital that you and I take the right stand and make the right decision. You know, before you leave your house every morning, you've got a decision to make, and it's a big decision. It's a decision It's big, and I've learned that if I make this big decision before I walk out the doors, it's a lot easier to make the little decisions that I've got to face throughout the day. Are, are you with me? You feel what I'm saying? It's easier to, if I, if I decide right now, I'm going to be a good husband. I'm going to be a loving father. I'm going to stand for what is right. I'm going to be pure. And when compromise, when I'm faced with compromise or temptations, I'm going to stand firm in the Lord Jesus. Sometimes it does seem like in everyday living that we're out of options, that we, we choose to give in. 
And this is what I know if you're taking notes, and then we're going to read our passage. And that is, when, when you think that you're out of options, remember that there's the God option. And the story that we're going to read about today is about these three guys who they thought that they had come to literally to the end of their life. They thought that they were out of options. And if you'll follow along in Daniel, it's an Old Testament book. It's about halfway. It's almost like not quite half, more than, it's more than halfway through the Bible. You can find it. Daniel, it's an Old Testament book. Daniel was a fascinated guy. And this is a fascinating book of the Bible. And I want us to read it together. Follow along, please, as I begin in Daniel chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. The Bible says King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image that he had set up. So... Scripture says the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all of the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up, and they stood before it. In other words, everybody that was somebody was summoned. Everybody that was somebody was there. Verse 4, then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and people, of every language. This is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all, how many? Say it with me. All. It's easy to be a part of the moral majority, but it's difficult to be part of the moral minority. All the nations, peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. What's interesting about preaching, and I've been preaching for a long time, is preaching is taking the scripture from the then into the now. It's, it, it would be one thing just to read from the Old Testament, the then, or the New Testament, the then, and, uh, and, ju and just read. It's good reading. It's good stories. It's the Word of God. But what God wants to happen is he wants to, he wants to apply the truths from then, what God was saying then. This is what I need to tell you today. God is saying today. Now, you take the Scripture in context and see what God was saying then, but God has a word for us today uh, in the now. Just as he wanted them to listen then, he wants us to listen now. Just, just as if he, as he spoke then, he is speaking now. So here's the story about these three guys. Their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were facing the fiery furnace. And this is what I know because some of you, even as I'm speaking right now, unbeknownst to me, I, I may not even have a clue 
what you're facing at work or the challenge that's of your faith that's trying to get you to compromise your, your convictions and your belief. Maybe it's a conversation that you're having with somebody at work and, and um, maybe it's a, a stand on, a, a, on an issue. Now, one thing that we say as a church is that we want to be known for what we're for, not for what we're against. Don't, don't misinterpret that, though. There's some things that we believe, and I had a conversation just this week with, with some people on the phone that have a belief system that is totally in contradiction to the Word of God. And, and it would be easy just to say, oh, yeah, we, we, we're just a loving church, and we accept everybody and everything. And we do. You, everybody's welcome here. But the reality is the Bible is our guide. It is, it is the truth of God. And we've got to take a stand. So maybe it's in the break room or maybe it's uh, in an issue raising your kids and you're being tempted to compromise in a compromising culture. So this is what I know. When facing the fire, take the heat. Be willing to, to take the heat. Be willing to take the stand. So here is uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so how did they decide? It would have been easy to have decided otherwise. <laughs> how did they make it? How are you going to make it? If you're taking notes, I've got three things that I think that really made a difference in, in this story and, and in the outcome. And here they are. Number one, get your courage from God. Because uh, I don't, look, I'm pretty brave, generally speaking. Can I get an amen? Make me feel better. I need some loving today. Uh, pretty much, you know, me and the Glock, we got it handled, right? Me, God, and uh, uh, did I say Glock? Uh, well, hey, generally speaking, I'm good. I I'm not, I'm not af afraid, generally speaking. Did I really say Glock? I really meant to. Hey, um, generally speaking, I, I'm good. But there, there comes times in life that it's deeper and that, that I, I, I need to reach deep inside of me and reach to heaven. And, and like these three guys, I've got to get my courage from God. I need the presence of God. I need the hand of God on my life. I need the power of God working in me. And these three guys, they, they needed the presence of God. How else would they have stood? I can see it now. Preacher talks about his Glock. All right, verse 12. Hey, can you imagine the, the different stuff that's come out of this mouth over the years? Yeah, ask my wife. Don't ask my wife. Verse 12 says, But there are some Jews whom you've set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you. He's talking to the king, and what he's doing is telling on these guys because the king says, all right, everybody that's somebody, uh, all the governors, all the, everybody, everybody is going to join the church the same day. Everybody's going through track one on the same day. You're all going to, we're going to the same church. We're going to join the same church. You're going to bow down. And the only thing that Nebuchadnezzar would not tolerate was, were those that did not tolerate what he wanted tolerating. 
I hope you got that because I can't say it again. And he wanted them to bow down, but they didn't bow down, so the guy's telling on them. He said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who paid no attention to you, your majesty, they neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that, that you have set up. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, and if you've heard the story in Sunday school or something, or if you've read it, maybe you know this, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was not even their names. That was their uh, Chaldean names. It was not their Hebrew names. You can read this in Scripture. Their Hebrew names was Hananiah, Mishael, and uh, Azariah. And so when they were taken into Babylonian captivity, uh, they were given Chaldean names. And the, their Hebrew names meant Hananiah, uh, meant um, the, Yahweh is gracious, Hananiah, Mishael, his name meant what God says that he is. And Azariah, his name meant God or Yahweh has helped us. And so they, their names are stripped away. And here they are in Babylonian captivity and being tempted to, to, um, to bow down. You know, sometimes it's... Uh, it's, sometimes it's easier to give in. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It might not be a big issue, but sometimes it's easier just to, <laughs> just to give in. I mean, it, how easy would it have been for these guys, you know, like huddle up after not bowing the first time and, and saying, look, uh, hey, I, Shadrach, man, I know where you stand. Meshach, yeah, I, got, I, know, I, feel, I know where you're at. Let's just... Uh, Let's just bow down on the outside. Because we, all three of us know, man, we're not bowing down on the inside. Right, right, right. It'd be easy for them to say, let's just bow down on the outside to appease this wicked king. This Nebuchadnezzar was the, was the most powerful monarch in, in all of the earth. Not only was he the the commander-in-chief, he was the high priest of political correctness. And so he said, I want everybody who's somebody, I want everybody, including you three guys, I want you to, to bow down. It would have been easy. He said, well, oh, okay, so I need, a little, I need a little help because I'm facing an issue of, uh, in my own culture, in my own life, where I'm tempted to compromise. Terry, give me something. Well, they had real faith. If you're taking notes, write this down. This is what I know. Real faith means obeying God. Listen to me. Regardless of the circumstances around you and the consequences before you. I know it's on the screen, but say it, let me say it one more time. Real faith means obeying God regardless of the circumstances around you and the consequences before you. And so they said, uh, we're, we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. And parents, I know some of you, you're, you're faced with the challenge of feeling like there's no more options. I'm telling you, real faith says, I'm going I'm to obey God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be pure. I'm going to be righteous. I'm going I'm to watch the right stuff on television and not that other stuff. I'm going to make the right business decisions 
not the wrong business decisions, business decisions. And did you know that you're, you're never alone? When you stand for what is right, and parents, I hope that you're teaching this to your kids. When you stand for what is right, you never stand alone. Little did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had an eye Mishael and Azariah. Little did they, know, did they know how the story was going to actually turn out. But they knew one thing. They might make the decision not to bow down. And they knew the consequences was to be thrown into the fiery furnace. They didn't know if they were going to live or die. But they knew that they were not standing alone. So... Three things I want to give you today. One, get your courage from God. Number two, you ready? Get your assurance from God. They got their courage from God, but here they are at the mouth of the fiery furnace wondering, is this it? Have you ever come to a point in your life but you made the right decision? You went the right direction? And you felt like, man, this is it. This fixed to be over. Uh... And that's how they felt. And so they needed assurance. They needed the presence of God. And when you live your lives and go to work and raise your family, you need the assurance that you're not standing alone and that God is with you. Notice verse 15. Now when you hear the sound of the horn, this is like Nebuchadnezzar saying, like, this is your second chance. He could have killed them already because he said, if you don't bow down to the little G God, uh, I'm going to kill you. They didn't. He didn't kill them. He gave them another chance. But this is like him saying, I'm making you an offer that you can't refuse. He says in verse 15, now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if, notice this question. Notice the question, if. If you're ready to fall down and worship the image I've made, very good. But if you don't worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what little g God will be able to rescue you from my hand? You know, we're faced with questions. Maybe not quite as severe as this one that Nebuchadnezzar had asked, but we're faced with a question, what are you going to do tomorrow? What are you going to do when it comes to raising your kids and teaching them the principles of the Word of God and the importance of God and the importance of worship and the importance of church and the importance of being in worship, the importance of tithing and the importance of you, you fill in the blank. What are you going to do? The question is being asked us. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. For if we are thrown in the blazing furnace, the God, big G God, that we serve is able to deliver us from it. And if he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Now I said a moment ago real faith is obeying God regardless of the circumstances and the consequences. Right? I want to tell you a second thing. The reason that they had such a great faith. Was because they had such a great God. The reason they had such a great faith, they, put, they, they had such a great God to put their faith in. Amen? Don't we have a great God? Somebody, amen somebody. 
And so he says in verse 18, but even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your God. Even if, even if he doesn't deliver us and we're toast, we're well done, extra crispy. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you've set up. Church, I'm thinking this. I'm thinking if God, who made something out of nothing, the world, out of nothing, God can take the sunset of death and turn it into the sunrise of the resurrection. God can take the, the, the pain and the sorrows and turn it into something good. He can take a rebellious heart and turn it into a, a redeemed heart. Real faith is the confidence that God is going to work things out the way that he wants it. That's what real faith is. Here's another one. If you take a note, you better write quick. Disappointment does not mean that God has disappeared. Do you hear what I'm saying? Just because you're disappointed, just because the times are, are hard, it doesn't mean that God has disappeared. Just because death comes, doesn't mean that God has failed. Just because the life is difficult, difficult has come, it doesn't mean that God is weak. He's still here. He's still present. The third and final thing is, um, not, not only do they get their courage from God they got their assurance from God this one's very important they kept their commitment to God have you ever broke your commitment to God I have yeah I have um, I, in fact I've made a lot of commitments to God I, I messed up on I failed but when they face the fire, they realize that in the disappointments that God has not disappeared, in the difficulties that God had not disappeared, and in the face of death that God was still with them. They kept their commitment to God. Notice verse 22. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot That the flames of the fire killed the soldiers. Are you kidding me? It says prior to this that Nebuchadnezzar told them, said, all right, they didn't, they didn't bow. <laughs> After me giving them, I don't give anybody a second chance. You're right, Nebuchadnezzar. You're right, King. You never give anybody a second chance. Heat the thing up seven times hotter than ever before. And it was so hot, this is where we took up verse 22, it was so hot that the, the people that threw them in the furnace were killed. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. You know, I said this last week. Daniel, if he had not been in, thrown into the den of lions God could not have rescued him 
If Lazarus had not died, God could have never brought him back to life. And if God did not allow these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to be thrown into a fiery furnace, he could have never delivered them. And what did he do? He delivered them. Verse 25, he said, look. Weren't there three men that, that were thrown into the fire? Yes, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. One passage, one translation says the son of God. Scholars have debated this. I'm not debating it. I'm just telling you my conviction, what I believe. I believe that this is an Old Testament appearance of Jesus. They were thrown into the fire, three of them. They look down in there. The three are still alive. There's a fourth one. This is what I know. When we're thrown into the fire or when we face the fire, I've already said we don't have to stand alone, but when, we've, when we face the fire, when we take the heat for God, he'll take it with us. You're not alone. When you say yes to God, yes, I'm going to live a pure life, a righteous life. Yes, I'm going to do the right thing and make the right choices and go the right way and love my husband and love my wife and raise my children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And I'm not going to compromise when it comes to the, the issues that the scriptures are against. When you take the heat, he'll take it with you. Jesus said, the scripture says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. How many today, <laughs> come on, how many are glad that no weapon formed against us will prosper? How many are glad today that we have a friend that sticketh closer than a brother? How many are glad today with God all things are possible? How many are glad today to know that Romans 8, 28, for we know that all things work together for the good for those that love God and are the called according to his purpose. How many know that God is faithful, that God is righteous, that God is loving, that God is forgiving, and that he is ever-present in help of trouble. And when you take the heat, he'll take you with you. Keep your commitment to God, and he'll bless you. How many receive this today? Say amen. Father, thank you for today and for the word and Oh, God, thank you for the beautiful Old Testament picture that spoke to the people in this day, but it speaks to us in this millennia. God, I pray that you'd bless these closing moments of worship. Just seal by your Holy Spirit the truths that we've heard today. Today, you're listening, but you realize for the very first time that You've never been born again. And I want to tell you that salvation is not just fire insurance, keep you out of hell, to get you into heaven. It is, it is about redemption. It is about forgiveness. It is about the sacrifice that Jesus made. And it is about us 
trusting him to be our Savior and our Lord. If you've never done that, I want to give you that opportunity just to say yes to Christ. Say, Terry, how do I do that? Well, it's done individually, personally, from your heart. It's not repeating a prayer. I'm going to pray as an example for you, but this comes from your own heart. And you can say something like this, Dear God, today, I realize I'm a sinner who needs a Savior. God, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and that he rose from the grave on the third day. And today, I do what Scripture says. I repent of my sins. I turn. And I turn to you, Lord Jesus. And I put my trust in you as Savior. And I follow you today as Lord. Jesus told Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you must be born again. And that is putting your trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Some of you did that today, and we rejoice with you. Maybe as a Christ follower, uh, your prayer today is, God, help me to be a better mom, a better husband, a, a better son or daughter, mother or father, worker, volunteer. Help me to stand in the face of adversity. Help me to stand in the face of compromise, in a culture of compromise. I want to pray for you, and if you would, stand with me. I just want to pray over you. Father, I thank you for today. Thank you that, God, you've met us here today, and it wasn't by accident that we came today, that uh, we studied your word today. I pray, God, uh, that you would, in these closing moments, that you administer to our hearts. We love you, God. We thank you in Jesus' name.